Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that harkens back to the days of beanbag chairs, corduroy, and macrame. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, coming to you in the middle of the dog days of summer. And more on that in just a minute. Uh, In Pipe Parts, uh, I'll continue answering my version of the uh, seven questions for seven experts. And then my guest is all the way from uh, Belgrade, Serbia. It's uh, Mike or Milos from uh, Pipes, Pens, and More. It's fun talking to him. A great guy, and uh, you'll, you'll get to you'll get to meet him. And then music, mailbag, and rant—all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. And so, as part of the educational, well, why do we call it the Dog Days of Summer? Well, I thought it was because they were, you know, just such hot and humid and nasty days the dogs would just lay around well no it actually goes back to uh ancient greece and rome when uh sirius uh sirius the dog star uh part of the constellation canis majoris or the greater dog uh it's when uh it's when this when the dog star is visible during the summertime in the northern hemisphere so uh, it's summertime, and it's u- uh, usually at sunrise, according to uh, NationalGeographic.com. Uh, but that's why we call it the, uh, refer to it as the dog days. Not because, you know, all we want to do is uh, lay around because it's so hot outside. It's because the dogs are in the sky. So there, you learn something. Uh, going all the way back to the Greeks and the Romans. So uh, you never know what you're going to learn here on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. And we are back. Uh, remember, if you have a uh, comment or request for pipe parts or for a guest, you can email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, and I will put it on the list. Uh, so back to the seven experts questions. And for this one, it's do you prefer your pipes coated or not? Is it a deal breaker for you? And all right. So first, let me let me start off with the uh, uh, with the first part. Uh, with the second part first and then the first part second. Got all that? Okay, here we go. Uh, it's not a deal breaker for me. It, it's not, if I like the pipe, it's not that important. However, as a pipe buyer, I do prefer that the pipes be bowl coated. Uh, I prefer that they be bowl coated because one, it helps me build that cake faster and more even. Um, I, the, the break-in process for me is completely different if the pipe is not bowl coated. Uh, it just takes longer to deal with. 
it takes more effort on getting the bottom of the bowl smoked right. So I prefer them to be bowl coated. Uh, I prefer a very neutral bowl coating. So you'll hear discussions of water glass and, uh, you know, all kinds of other, uh, all kinds of other things in the old days. You know, remember they used, uh, they used asbestos as bowl coating. So I really don't want that. Uh, I'm just saying, but I do want a natural material that is, you know, is going to adhere to the bowl and it's going to help grab the tobacco and create that bulk, uh, that, uh, that bowl coating that I want. And again, I like to keep my, uh, I'll keep the bowl coatings down pretty thin, but, uh, with an estate pipe, I really don't like it. If the, uh, yeah, if the estate cleaner takes it down, to, if it's a really good pipe that has a specific bowl coating, uh, in particular handmade pipes you know, from artisans and stuff like that. I really don't want them to take it down to fresh wood and then put their own bowl, their own bowl coating in. I want it to have that pipe maker's original bowl coating. If it's a uh, maybe a, a, a collectible estate uh, Dunhill or something like that, I'm less particular with that because those bowl coatings back in those older days were... Yeah, they were kind of rudimentary, all right? So maybe a good modern bowl coating would be better for the pipe than something from the past. Um, as far as the argument of being able to taste the wood in a pipe, you know, I really don't want to taste the wood. <laughs> the couple of times in my life where I've smoked a pipe and I've tasted wood, it's led to wood burning and... Uh, pipe burning out so i want to taste the tobacco i want the pipe itself to add a little bit of sweetness and maybe help deal with the heat and the moisture uh, but i don't want to taste a whole bunch of it in there now as a former importer of pipes and a pipe manufacturer uh you know i really i really don't want to sell an uncoated pipe and the reason I don't want to sell an unbowl coated pipe is because there are some uh, less than knowledgeable pipe smokers. And the bowl coating is an extra level of protection against abuse from a, uh, from a very happy, heavy, lighter handed uh, pipe smoker. Uh, it's an extra added level of protection against, you know, just again uh even uh even a bad you know if it, if it's a heavy aromatic or heavy english that's been smoked in it it's an extra level of protection against that pipe when it comes time to clean it afterwards and you know this is this is my personal opinion of which i am the leading expert on but again that bowl coating as somebody who imports pipe or imported pipes and bought pipes wholesale for resale I was always a little happier to buy it when it was bowl coated and that just made me feel more secure. So there's my answers. Uh, if you have any comments or questions, email me brian at pipesmagazine.com or post them on the pipes magazine radio show page. And in just a moment, uh, Mike from pipes and pens. This is internet radio. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? 
think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes in faithful service of the hobby. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us from Serbia. That's right. All the way into Eastern Europe is uh, you're going to have to correct me if I mispronounce this, but I want to try to do this right. It's Milos Bira or Mike from uh, PPM. Did I get your name right? Yeah, it's close enough. Okay, say say your name for us, just so that so that we all know what it's supposed to be, and then we'll just call you Mike afterwards. Okay, it's Milos Bear. All right, and it's Mike from uh, PPM on. Uh, I found you on Instagram, and I was really excited about the stuff that you're doing. So tell us first of all, you grew up in in Serbia. Yeah, that's right. I grew up in Serbia. Uh, here all, all the time and uh, then studied, uh, went to Faculty of International Relations to Belgrade, our capital, uh, spent about 10 years there, almost got my master's degree, I still didn't finish the final paper, uh, and in the meantime, I have to say by coincidence, we uh, decided to go like a business with uh, dealing pipes, pipe dealers, full-time and uh, it's a couple of years now since we started a lot of things changed in the meantime and uh, here we are now I'm back from capital and I'm here full-time and you can call this my day and night job because sometimes we spend days and nights working (laughs) so full-time eBay seller for now Uh, I have plans of course to spread maybe have my own website or something but I'm taking it step by step. Now, when did you first become interested in pipes and pipe smoking? Well, I, I come from a family. <clears throat> I can't say they were really pipe smokers. Uh, my grandfather came from a place, uh, a region called Dalmatia, uh, which is in today's Croatia. It's uh, close to Italy, uh, north side of the Balkan region. And... Um, Actually, they, even today, but I know, centuries ago, they make clay pipes there. Mm. And they're all self-taught that there's no, like, uh, unified way of making them. Everyone is kind of making them its own on his own way. And uh, my grandfather actually uh, had some experience with pipes. Uh, my father then... Uh, came across pipes and pipe smoking while he was in the army, if I, I remember correctly. And uh, since before pipes, and uh, about 20 years ago, my father started doing uh, dealing with furniture and uh, antiques. 
somewhere there he started smoking pipes bought his first pipe then second one third one <laughs> and uh, became a pipe enthusiast and then uh, collection grew and grew and i myself well i wasn't very interested when i was uh, younger when i was a kid or a teenager but later on kind of introduced me to everything and uh, just maybe a couple of years ago i had an idea i saw a possibility to start an online business it was took a bit of time to get him to love the idea and everything but uh, now he's loving it and uh, yeah something like that i don't smoke that often maybe sometimes uh, I, I like to pick my moments when i'm enjoying mm. just relaxing or maybe working when I'm posting something and spent hours and hours on internet and uh, that's it so it's not uh, so smoking for you is more just if the uh, if the time is right and if you want to do it it's not a habit of any kind and you don't have yeah. a pipe smoking routine yeah yeah uh, does your and and does your father still smoke a pipe on a regular basis yeah, he does. What is the? Uh, I mean, in your in in your area, what is the pipe and tobacco market like? Is it are there pipe and tobacco shops with with big displays? Well, there are just a few, uh, and these are uh, shops that deal with cigars and pipes and maybe even some drinks like wines, fine wines from abroad. But not uh, specifically pipes. Um, there is a pipe community here in Serbia or in the Balkans. There are even some pipe makers that became known to a more general public. But uh, it's still kind of small. And uh, most of it you get from abroad. You order online or you just buy it somewhere abroad. Yeah. But uh, here you can find it, but it's limited. What is uh, is is smoking forbidden in many places? Is is it hard to find a place to smoke in public? Actually, not that hard. <laughs> I just recently, maybe a couple of years ago, they introduced a new measure to. Uh, well, they wanted to ban smoking in all closed areas, public closed areas, but uh, then regulation kind of modified itself to uh, have separate space example in a restaurant or something like that where smoking is allowed and the other part when where it's not uh, how hard is the serbian language to learn because i may want to move there <laughs> well not that hard not that hard it, when someone speaks objectively about about it and he learns uh, maybe serbian and try to learn it they would usually say it's the hardest language to learn in the world, <laughs> but uh, I don't think it's that. We have some politicians or ambassadors coming from U.S. or even China or something like that. Uh, they learn to speak Serbian quite well in maybe a couple of years. Mm, sounds good. And then I can smoke in in I can smoke inside in a restaurant or a or Anywhere. a pub. And yeah. Okay. Um, and from, and we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon, and it looks like the weather is perfect there. So, well, it was 
raining quite heavily last night and during the whole night uh, actually power was out uh, last evening and today this morning uh, there was kind of a flood storm uh. but now it's yeah it's pretty bright and nice just just right all right, so let, let's talk about the. Uh, we'll talk about your business for a minute. It's pipes underscore pens underscore and more on Instagram, and pipes pens and more on eBay. So, I, I'm guessing you're. Are you going out and finding estate or pre-owned pipes and then taking them through a cleaning process? Well, yeah, uh, it all started with my father's collection, but during, I don't know, decade or two, he met a lot of pipe smokers abroad. And uh, uh, when his collection became small, when we listed what he wanted to sell, because of course there are some pipes he would never sell, yeah. uh, he started communicating firstly with those people he met, some pipe smokers to ask around about uh, parts of their personal collection or some finds they got or contacts they might provide so it started like that then it involved a lot of traveling and uh, it was spreading a lot today we have a very large network of uh, traders or uh, collectors or just someone coming across pipes and it kind of all stopped with the uh, covid virus so yeah. at the moment we're outsourcing <laughs> How we can, you know, just finding other ways to satisfy the needs and uh, get new pipes. So in the in the United States, we would kind of consider you to be like a an antiques picker or a uh, you know, somebody that would go to uh, flea markets and and shop for product and then clean it up and and put it in your own store. Yeah, uh, I mean. That I forgot to say that when we choose to pick pipes, because now we have, well, a large market where we get them, we have the option or the luxury to just pick pipes that, are, uh, that you know they are clean or will need some minimal treatment or something like that. Because when you go and uh, buy furniture and everything else, and it's interesting that uh, when we were going regularly, maybe every two weeks or something like that, to hunt for antiques, flea markets, sales, uh, some uh, auctions all over across Europe, um, we often we would find pipes uh, on the same lot, let's say it like that, where <laughs> furniture is. Yeah. So those things are kind of connected. And even today we are trading with uh, furniture, with uh, antique stuff, chairs, tables, lamps, decorations. I've even posted some to my eBay store and the idea behind the, the and more was just putting everything out there, everything that's interesting. So, uh, yeah, the question was yeah. would they consider us something like that in the US? I guess they could. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we're going to talk about pens because I know nothing about them, but I want to learn from Mike. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. 
From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at CND as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with uh, Mike from Pipes, Pens, and More. Um, so talk to me about the pens, because I, I know collectible pen, pen collecting is probably bigger in the world than pipe collecting is. Well, it is, but I have to say uh, we neglected it a bit since pipes became our major product <laughs> and really haven't bought a pen in quite some time. Uh, pipe sourcing and, and everything that goes with the business really takes a lot of time and uh, well for some period we really didn't have many time for pens yeah but i don't know planning when we maybe hire some additional help or spread even more um, i would like to go back to pens and kind of uh, spread the business what is the what is the process for uh, for getting a pen ready for sale well, uh, it's similar to pipes. Uh, there are just some uh, materials or uh, tools used to prepare them if they're physically dirty or damaged or something like that. But I have to say, um, pipes are better in that way, and that's probably because we shifted to pipes. Uh, pens can usually be tricky. They uh, can have some hidden damages, uh, replacement parts, and uh, sometimes, because they can usually be a lot expensive, quite expensive, mm -hmm. um, to, to get. Um, we had a couple of situations where uh, we bought the wrong stuff or overpaid it or failed to see something. Maybe it was not functioning, uh, not, I don't know, had some damage or replacement parts that, uh, that would really affect the price later on. So is that a situation where maybe the the cost to find the replacement parts is more than what you would be able to sell the pen for when it's finished? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. yeah. Or impossible if it's an old pen or just way too expensive. And when you're selling a pen, I'm I'm assuming the, the buyer wants the pen to be functional and, and in good Yeah, that's the first thing. Maybe you can even list it as tested but not functional but that's gonna decrease its price and value a lot and then you have to have the refills or the inks for them all or do you leave that up yeah. to the collector well uh, we usually don't fill them when we send them just because we don't want it to spill during transport um, but we test it you know fill it and empty it later just so we can show its functioning i would even make some video I don't know, maybe about a few pens to demonstrate how they're right and that they're functional and working, not leaking or something like that. 
Yeah, that it's all it's all fascinating to me, and I know that there's you, you also have to deal with fountain pens where you may have to buy nibs or yeah all the parts for them, and and all the parts are very tiny. Yeah, they are. Uh, well, I have a friend who's a full-time seller. He just deals with pens a lot. And uh, before I would address him for anything I need, maybe some replacement part or repair. The thing is that uh, for pens, we don't have really have those uh, fine tools to... Maybe there's uh, like scratches or something on the plastic part mm. and you need to polish it and maybe fill it with some stuff. but. That's kind of specific, and you need to get the right machine with the right RPM, the, all materials needed, uh, like chemicals and stuff, and other tricky and sensitive stuff because all really all parts are really small. And we really didn't go that way, but instead we kind of modernized or upgraded our uh, tools for pipes a lot. Uh, we even got they some uh, custom made tools in order to clean pipe better faster and easier so we're pretty much dealing with that all the time so going back to pipes for a minute i guess it depends on how bad the pipe is but it, how long on an average does it take you to clean up a pipe and get it ready for sale Ooh. <laughs> I don't know exactly. Some pipes are going to get cleaned very fast, like in minutes. Others might take a few hours because first, I don't like to buy pipes that have burns or any damage that you would have to fill or USB yeah. R dust and something like that. I mean, I do those repairs and we do them quite well, but we usually avoid those pipes. And um, Let's say we have a pipe with heavy oxidation on vulcanite stem and uh, its rim is all black and the chamber is filled, let's say, worst case scenario. So it would probably take a couple of hours because we really pay attention to the details and use a lot of methods to soak the stem, to stand, send it down all the way to 12,000 grit. Wow. And, uh, even do it a couple of times if it's needed to get that really deep black shine. And then goes the, the diamond uh, compound and the waxing and everything. Um, chamber as well, we have some uh, mixtures of our own to clean them without damaging the finish or the color uh, to get inside the bowl and use the kosher salt and uh, alcohol, get rid of ghosting and uh, clean the mortise, everything else. I mean, it, it can be tricky, uh -huh. but uh, I really, and I like to do uh, inspection a couple of times when I buy it somewhere in the middle of before I do the photos of it and then right before sale. So I really try to look at every single bit of the pipe because I don't know, I, I'm a perfectionist <laughs> in that manner. So many people praise that and it makes me really happy. People are usually uh, amazed sometimes with condition they get and the quality of pipe they get. It's, it was really unusual to me because there are a lot of sellers 
example on eBay because it's one of those places where you would most likely buy a used pipe. Um, and some reputable sellers would send them a pipe which is good, but uh, maybe some hidden flaw, maybe some repair, maybe not cleaned enough. And uh, it was really a surprise to see people uh, getting our pipes and really being amazed by the condition. Uh, saying like there, there was like wow factor and uh, praising the, the cleaning process and everything. So they're really satisfied with the purchases and that's great. Now you said kosher salt. Um, why kosher salt? Well, because it's a larger and uh, there is no chance of a bowl cracking because when you pour it in, you would do like half of the bowl, half of the chamber with salt and alcohol, maybe some 92%, 96%, 95% alcohol, yeah. and then just uh, top it off and again and again. Uh, if you use the normal salt, it's going to spread and uh, the whole chamber and bowl can crack. Okay. Uh, this salt would just maybe shrink a bit and pull all the uh, cake inside and just loosen the whole thing so you can clean it okay. easier inside. So don't use the standard salt that you that, that we have sitting at home. Get good kosher no. salt if you're going to try it. Yeah. Um, you also sell you sell another thing that I like, which is watches. Um, is that something that you guys actually that you guys do the work on, or do you get them and have a watchmaker work on them? Well, we do have a watchmaker who does the service or anything required. Maybe uh, when you, we change the bracelet or something like that, put a new strap on, or clean it or something like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it also started as a hobby of our own. Father also had some private collection and occasionally came across watches. He used to sell those privately uh, for a long time and then we just decided to add them to the page or store. Yeah. And we, we do just a couple maybe when we come across something interesting like buy it and then post it and sell it, but not that many. Are uh, are most people in most people in Serbia are they wearing the Apple watches now instead of or the the digital watches instead of old old manual watches? Well, uh, not so many. Maybe younger generations. There, there's certainly a trend, uh, Apple trend, as everywhere else in the world, but uh, not so many. Well, good. Because we we don't need another device yelling at us. We sometimes just need to know what time it is. Yeah, <laughs> just that. Uh, let's go back to go back to Serbia for a minute. What what is, is I, I know, and I'm not even sure how to ask this, but I know in a lot of countries there's a national drink. Is, is there a national Serbian liqueur or aperitif or? Yeah, uh, actually there is, uh, we call it uh, rakia. Uh, it's a, uh, well, like a liqueur, just, yeah, it's made of plum. Ooh. Yeah. Is that right? Plum? Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, a bit stronger beverage, but something like a liqueur. And uh, 
that would be the national drink here. Is that something that you might have after dinner? Uh, in the morning, before <laughs> lunch, after lunch, after dinner, anytime you want. <laughs> I'm liking Serbia more and more. I'm, trying, <laughs> I'm thinking I'm, I'm ready to pack up and go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is, is, uh, and I'm guessing beer and wine are also kind of standard in the area. Very popular, yeah. Yeah. But not, not a specialty of, of uh, Serbian culture. Well, there is quite good wine, um, some nice breeds or sorts here. Uh, beer, we do have, well, a lot of producers, local producers. Some of them were um, state-owned before, but they got uh, privatized after the transition and everything. Some um, were closed, some are still producing beer, and it's, well, actually very good quality beer. Wow. All right. Getting better and better. Um, yeah. And, and what, what's a traditional meal? Well, there are several traditional meals. Let's say, well, we have um, like roasted meat, uh, lamb and uh, pig meat. Uh, but it's prepared in a special way, like it's not barbecued. It's on a rolling... Uh, on a rotisserie. Yeah, yeah. And there's a special way to, to prepare it. But also there are just like uh, some cooked meals using uh, potatoes or cabbage or meat, something like that. But it's mostly all based on meat. Mm. So it's quite strong. When Americans come here, they usually get uh, a bit bigger when they <laughs> go back from Serbia because they eat a lot <laughs> and they really love the kitchen here. They all do, not just Americans. And I and I want to tell everybody when we were communicating, you know, through Messenger, I was a little con I was a little confused at how at whether or not you were an American living in Serbia or or what, but you're right. Your English, first of all, your English, you know, you speak English perfectly fine, but your writing is really good. How did you learn English? Well, um, movies and video games when I was a kid, I really didn't learn English in school ever and kind of had a feeling for grammar and everything else maybe when I was 10 or 12. But uh, that's one of the benefits of the addiction <laughs> video games and movies. I always enjoy movies. So since when I was a kid, and I believe it all came from there. It, it, it's amazing. You never took an English class in school, yet you're writing. Well, yeah, <laughs> we had the mandatory class uh, in high school and uh, yeah, before. After that, maybe even in faculty as yeah, so. Yeah, we did, but it was just a casual thing for me. I never prepared for any test or anything else, exam. It just came natural to me. I don't know. It was weird to many people because they had to learn and study and practice, and they would always say something wrong. Even writing was even worse. But for me, it just came with a feeling. I don't know. <laughs> 
do you speak any other languages besides English and Serbian? Well, I learned Russian a bit. Uh, I would say it's pretty basic. Uh, I learned Italian language for a bit longer and uh, it's, let's say it's three, three and a half out of five. I can communicate in Italian. I understand everything. Writing a bit more difficult, but uh, let's say it's solid knowledge. Also Spanish language. I learned it a bit uh, on my own, and well, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere basic to medium knowledge, something like that. Okay, I'm impressed. I don't care. I can barely <laughs> speak English, and I can get, I can do enough Spanish to get into trouble. But uh, <laughs> so, so, Mike, we will finish this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Okay, ready. What is your favorite pipe? It's supposed to be a fast answer, I know. Let's say Dunhill. <laughs> and if you have that Dunhill pipe, what is your favorite tobacco to put in it? Virginia. So you you like Virginia's, but you live in the Balkan region. Yeah. 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 Um, what is your favorite drink? Favorite drink, whiskey. American whiskey or Irish whiskey? Uh... American is good. Any whiskey older than maybe 15, 18 years. Ooh, okay. Uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Uh, let's say if I had to choose music. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about? Well, uh, there's a short story regarding the furniture we're making. Mm -hmm. I maybe hope to have a chance to say something about it. Yeah, please. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, well, we decided to, or just randomly decided maybe a year ago, we had the idea to make some pipe furniture. We had a need to store our own pipes. So that decided to make because we, we're pretty well with... Uh, wood carving, making furniture and stuff. We have our own workshop and everything. And uh, so he made these large uh, like shelves for pipes to, to just hang them on the wall and uh, just put them one by one there. And they came out pretty good. And then I was, I don't know, when I get time, when I have the time, I just like to read get informed about all kinds of stuff related to pipes. I also have a lot of books about pipes, so I like to read those when I'm free. Um, and I saw that there's like a open space on the market for good quality products, but cheaper, or at least at reasonable prices. So we decided to create the Solil Sabato uh, brand of cabinets. We all, with, at this moment, we have like three models to offer. Uh, what's interesting about it, when we were sitting down and thinking about the name, we wanted something that sounded a bit smart in Italian, and it's it would basically mean only on Sundays. And I was thinking about the logo that would go well with that. Um, started researching, consulting some agencies who design logos. They were all quite expensive, and I didn't like the ideas. So <laughs> what we did. If you look at the logo, we used our own chair 
it's a very comfortable chair. It's like a thinking chair. Uh, I gave my dad something um, to read, some, I mean, glasses. I told him to sit down and from perspective, of course, hold a pipe. Took some photos, uh, made it black and white, cropped everything and just made the logo myself. <laughs> so that's an interesting story. And uh, yeah, that's one of the also big plans we have the furniture and everything for pipes and accessories. So we have big plans for everything. As I said once when I made the video, my goal is just to become number one reseller of estate pipes and then spread on to new pipes, furniture and everything else. So I'm look I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the pipe I call them cabinets. Um, forty pipe cabinets online on your eBay yep. store and the logo is really I mean, it's really cool. But the other thing that I like that you did was you put air vents in the sides so that the air inside the cabinet stays the same temperature as outside and you get some fresh air in yep. there. Yeah, with these smaller cabinets, you're going to see the smaller one with 10-pipe uh, capacity. Uh, we actually decided to change that and just uh, drill holes through wood uh, instead of just uh, adding the plastic part like a vent. Yeah. I think this looks better, it's more practical, and uh, it's just not plastic, it's still wood, so and it looks a lot better. According to my uh, my eBay account, the shipping from Serbia to the United States is about $100, so that's not bad at all. Well, yeah, uh, there are rates for uh, different categories uh, when it comes to weight, and we do a lot to protect the packages, so... If, for example, something weighs uh, 5,000 grams or 5, uh, 5 kilograms, with protection and package and everything, it's going to weigh, it's going to double in weight. So wow. Some people say it's expensive, mm -hmm. but usually those people think we are in the U.S. and we are just expensive in the U.S. But when I explain we are half across the globe, they say, oh, okay, it's not too bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, no, that's not expensive at all. But Mike, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for agreeing to do this and keep up all the all the really good work. Thanks, Brian. Happy to be on the show. And, and we'll do. And we'll be back in just a minute. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, so uh, Pipes, Pens, and More, or, uh, and Mike have a, uh, they also have a YouTube channel. It's PP Ampersand M. Uh, one of the things I like that Mike is doing is uh, most of the pipes that they deal in are really popular priced. So on their, on their YouTube channel and on, on through their eBay store, you know, you're you're looking at what I would consider to be just good quality mid-grade uh, factory pipes, all done with this you know, great level of detail, and the uh, and the pipe furniture is gorgeous. So, 
check out what he's doing. Uh, let's help support the uh, help support the young guy. All right, music by request from uh, uh, from uh, Tim the Rod Maker, and the, this one's uh, this one's fun. Uh, it's the Dubliners, and it's called Seven Deadly Sins. And if you listen to it, I'm pretty sure I'm a fan of all seven of them. Some say that kissing's a sin, but tell me how can that be true? For kissing has been in this world since the very first day there was two. Now, if it wasn't legal, then the lawyers, they would sue And the prisons would be full of folk who had to kiss or two And if they didn't like it, then away the girls would run And if it wasn't plenty, then the pure folk would get none Some say that gambling's a sin But I'll bet you fifteen to one That gambling has been in this world since horses and greyhounds could run. Now, if it wasn't illegal, then the lawyers, they would sue. And the prisons would be full of folk who had a bet or two. And if they didn't like it, then away the girls would run. And if it wasn't plenty, then the poor folk would get none. Some say that swearing's a sin. But where is the man that can tell? For swearing has been in this world Since the devil was told, go to hell Now, if it wasn't legal, then the lawyers, they would sue And the prisons would be full of folk who had a course or two And if they didn't like it, then away the girls would run And if it wasn't plenty, then the poor folk would get none And some say that smoking's a sin but a pipe now and then is enough But smoking has been in this world Since Adam leave out a puff Now if it wasn't legal then the lawyers they would sue And the prison would be full of folk who had to smoke or two And if they didn't like it then away the girls would run And if it wasn't plenty then the poor folk would get none Some say that drinking's a sin but a gaggle is fine now and then For drinking has been in this world Forever and ever, amen Now if it wasn't legal then the lawyers they would sue And the prison would be full of folk who had to drink or two And if they didn't like it then away the girls would run And if it wasn't plenty then the poor would get none Well, if you updated that to surfing the internet all day long is a sin, you'd get all of, uh, well, that'd pretty much cover me. Mm, message from the dark side there is. And remember, you can uh, post comments right at uh, pipesmagazine.com under the Pipes Magazine radio show. Or you can uh, do it through Facebook where you can follow me and the Pipes Magazine radio show on Facebook or follow me on Instagram. And going back to last week with Neil Osborne, uh, got, got a lot of one-liner comments. A couple of them have words in it that I can't read. Um, but uh, Dave in uh, LAX says, I really enjoyed the interview and hearing his passion for pipes, the hobby, and building focused collections. 
And then Java says, a truly great show with Neil last week. That was well done in its entirety. An interesting pipe to buy the first time around as one considers the all-end cost of piping. Uh, I was in the hobby a while before I bought my first Costello. Although I did pony up 45 and $75 to buy two Vigos in 1971 and 72. Uh, Neil would be a good chap to have aboard the next time around. Nice poem at the tail end of the show. Kudos on a job well done, Brian. Uh, you're, uh, thank you there. Um, Select565 said, Enjoyed the listen, making me wonder if I'm doing it all wrong by not having any specific focus to my pipe buying collecting. <laughs> and then he put an upside down happy face. I don't know how to do upside down happy faces. Well, maybe I do. I just haven't looked. Um, anyway, so that's an interesting that's an interesting comment. Um, I, you know, it just depends on the type of collector you are. If it, you know, for for me, it helps me having my pipes organized in specific ways, and uh, and I think for Neil too, it helps kind of. Uh, I know for me in particular, it kind of keeps me under control. But uh, anyway, going on. Uh, Dan Casey Ghost writes, here it is, another enjoyable show, really interesting that Neil started in pipes with a Costello pipe and some Dunhill tobacco, or was it a Scudo? One or the other, and not bad at all. Uh, I was taken aback when he said he collected opera pipes. What the hell is an opera pipe, I thought. I asked some of my buds about them, and they said they are small pipes that usually have an oval bowl. Really? Yeah, that's what they are. Uh, Dan says the only dimension that I actually use is length. The pipe has to be between four and a half inches to a max of five and a half inches long. So there you go. Uh, yeah, the opera pipes with the oval bowls, um, makes reaming them really, really interesting. Uh, an update going back to, uh, May, if you'll remember with Eric and the, uh, and the loose flake or the loose cake in his pipe. Uh, anyway, he updated me a couple weeks ago and says, so far your suggestions are working. I've been brushing out the inside of the bowl with the tamper and cleaner to clear all the loose ash and leaving only harder residue cake behind. Haven't had any cake fall out since I've been doing that. And the cake that has built up looks much more solid. Thanks again for your advice. Uh, he's, he also went on to say, I should also mention that I got one of those eight deco domed tampers as you suggested, and that has helped keep the wall of the bowl clear. Uh, it isn't developing a speed bump at the top either. Now all the best, Eric, I'm glad it worked out. Uh, yeah, those eight deco tampers available at smokingpipes.com for about eight, nine bucks. Uh, they are, I mean, they're really handy. I'm looking at, uh, three of them sitting right here on my desk right now. And they do a good job, and they're ventilated, so it doesn't really mute the, uh, you know, it doesn't mute out the smoke as much as as some other tampers do. So, again, thoughts, opinions, let me know. Uh, finally, uh, two more things before we, uh, before we head on. Uh, today, today, this day this show actually goes out is uh, the Country Squire's 50th anniversary, and, of course, John David has had to postpone any uh, in-store celebrations. But uh, if, you give a, if you get a chance, give them a little cheer and a shout for uh, 50 years of a brick-and-mortar pipe and cigar shop. Uh, and John David's the uh, 
second owner of it. So congratulations to him and congratulations to them. And then finally, I got I got a message, and I'm gonna I'm gonna leave his name out, but it says, uh, "Hello, Brian. I just wanted to let you know how much I enjoy your radio show. I have PTSD, and I get very anxious. So I played your radio show before bed, and all my problems seem to fade away. Uh, you're doing a great service to many people, I'm sure, that have PTSD. Just wanted to let you know that you've touched my life in a positive, wonderful way. Thank you, brother." Uh, you know, I got this message, uh, about three weeks ago and it's just kept me smiling and kept me warm ever since then. And it also, you know, reminds me to be, uh, you know, as I said, a week or so ago, empathetic to everybody out there that we all have our own struggles. And, you know, if this little show is a chance to ease those struggles a little bit for one person well then it's well worth all the work uh if there's more than one well that's just double or triple and uh you know we'll keep it going and keep those back episodes posted but uh man that just made me feel really good when that came in so there you go again uh comments or questions or suggestions of guests please let me know brian at pipesmagazine.com Keep sharing the Pipes Magazine radio show amongst your Facebook groups, friends, pipe-smoking friends, and, uh, you know, show them how to listen to a podcast. All right, rant time coming up shortly. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. died yeah if you went back 30 40 years ago that would have been an odd thing to say out loud nobody would have understood and it would have not been nearly as bad as somebody had said the rabbit died yeah look that up rabbit test go ahead uh anyway my mouse died and uh, as far as i remember it's the original combination usb wireless mouse and keyboard that i've had for over eight years so it's been with me since the beginning of this show, and finally the mouse just gave out. So, <laughs> the uh, project for last week was to replace it, and I couldn't find exactly what I wanted. And then I thought, well, maybe I will switch to a, since I have a Macintosh now, maybe I'll switch to a Mac, uh, you know, a, a Mac style uh, wireless mouse and keyboard. <laughs> and let me tell you, that sucked, and that lasted about a half a day because I couldn't figure out where anything was. So then I sent that one back, and I got this one that I'm working with right now, and it's a lot quieter, but it's different. And for somebody who's used the same mouse and keyboard now for eight, nine, ten years, probably nine years at the most, um, 
you know, this is like learning how to walk again. All I can tell you is, uh, yeah, it's a cute little nice keyboard. If it, if it if it works out, I'll give you a little rating and review on it. But, um, I mean, just the feel of the mouse is completely different. The movement of it is different. The feel of the keyboard is different. It's a more compact keyboard, which is nice because I have more space on my desk. But it's like learning how to walk again. Um, and uh, it's supposed to be a little bit more resistant. The keyboard's supposed to be more resistant to spills and stuff like that. And... Uh, my old keyboard, when I shook it out every couple of weeks, it had a whole bunch of tobacco in there. But anyway, so yeah, uh, a moment of silence for the original Pipes Magazine radio show, Mouse and Keyboard, as they died, and I had to replace them, and welcome to the new one. So there's my troubles for the week. Yeah, I know, somebody's going to write a country song all about that. Get your mouse back, get your keyboard back. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> uh, once again comments questions email me brian at pipesmagazine.com if you're on apple podcasts or wherever else you can leave us a rating and review we'd much appreciate that in fact before we go let's read the two latest reviews that we got because they're really good and i like them uh, j marshall pipes writes a great podcast and a constant pipe companion I first came across the show in late 2016 as I searched for a pipe and tobacco podcast to accompany me as I delved into this hobby of ours. It's now almost four years into the journey and I always look forward to each installment. The wealth of knowledge offered complete with a full spectrum of guests, off-topic rabbit holes, and tobacco lore, not to mention the occasional hard-hitting rant, have entertained and informed me and leaves me wanting more. The entire catalog of shows has meticulously been digested twice over now. And through and though the early shows were a bit raw, yeah, you ain't kidding, brother. Um, the current production quality is a testament to the show's constant improvement since then. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much. Uh, well, we'll keep trying to improve. Uh, and Kingfish42 says, listen to this podcast. I found it very informative. The guest interviews are full of pipe history and knowledge from people in the pipe world. There you go. So again, much appreciate those. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. Thank you to Mike for joining me. And until next time. Clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Macrame is Greek for lazy ass knitters. <laughs>